Welcome to the Curious Kirby Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Kirby Plessis, a cyber investigator turned artist turned podcaster and art marketer. And I thank you very much for coming and listening to my second episode. Today we're going to talk about hashtags, hashtags on Instagram. Uh, after that discussion, we will talk with the amazing artist Cynthia Earle, but Let's talk first a little bit about marketing with hashtags. Now you've seen hashtags. You've seen them all over every social network you use, most commonly on Instagram. You've probably even hopefully used them before, but do you understand them? Do you know why you're using them? Hopefully I can help with this. Hashtags were created on Twitter as a way to categorize content. Originally, there was no way to find topical information outside of search. And so the users created that hashtag so that you could search for the pound sign and a keyword and link up with other people who are talking about the same thing. This allows for reach beyond your current network of friends or followers and their friends and followers to find other people um, talking about the same type of content. Hashtags, unlike categories, don't have to already exist. You can create one on a whim and then you can click it and see if anyone else is using that same hashtag And sometimes you'll find amazing content behind these hashtags. It's a little bit like opening the door to Narnia. Anything you're interested in, you can post about on any of the social networks, use a hashtag, click the hashtag, and find other people who are also posting about that content. Sometimes you're the only person using that hashtag, but even if you are the first person to ever post a certain hashtag, that hashtag is going to sit there and wait until someone else posts that same hashtag and then it's gonna link you together. It's a little breadcrumb for somebody else to find. So hashtags, very valuable in helping you find people that you don't know exist yet. Now, Instagram is the haven for hashtags. Instagram plus hashtags is a marketing machine. And this is uh, where hashtags really shine. Instagram allows 30 hashtags with any specific posts. When you're marketing your business, if you find a good selection of hashtags, it will let you put yourself in the search stream of anybody searching for that type of content. You can put yourself in the search stream of people who are sharing the same hashtags searching those hashtags or searching similar hashtags because when you do a search on Instagram for hashtags, it will also suggest similar ones that you can then kind of hop over to. Users can also follow hashtags so that they can click the follow button as if the hashtag was another user and get those hashtag content streams into their feed every day. So if you're using those hashtags, you can get in front of those customers who'd say, want to buy contemporary art They may follow the hashtag contemporary art so they can see a new selection every day. And if you're using that hashtag on your posts, you are in that stream. Choosing your hashtags can be a little bit difficult. Not all hashtags are created equal. It's more of an art than a science to choose your hashtags because Instagram doesn't give you a view into how these hashtags are searched or how many people are looking at a specific hashtag. They'll show you which hashtags are being used the most on posts. And then in analytics, which is going to be covered in a future episode, you can find out how many people found your posts via hashtags, but not which hashtags they found you through. And it won't show you what other hashtags you should have chosen to get even more traffic to your art. So you have to take some educated guesses and play a little bit of a game here. There's one semi-exception to this hashtag dilemma, and that's in stories. 
If you are using stories, the analytics for uh, Instagram stories do show you what hashtag users use to come across your story. You can use this to gauge your hashtags. You can do A-B testing, or you can see if this hashtag is very popular for searchers in stories. But keep in mind that the hashtags, activity, and stories, and posts differ. Because when you use a popular hashtag in stories, that one is gonna get a lot of traffic coming through. You're gonna see people see your stories. But if you were using that same hashtag, that very popular hashtag in your posts, there are so many other users posting with that hashtag that you may get very little traffic. Your, your posts may disappear into the flood of other posts using that same hashtag. Now on my blog, I actually have a article about this and the example hashtag I'm using is hashtag art. Hashtag art is a hashtag that has almost 500 million posts on Instagram to this hashtag. If you use it in stories, at the time of the writing of the blog post, there were only 18. Now keep in mind the stories are the uh, content that's kind of like Snapchat that disappears in 24 hours. So it's a little bit more sparse there and more likely that people will search that and find that story with the hashtag of art but your post is gonna disappear into that huge chunk of 500 million posts that are also using the art hashtag. So I would not suggest using art hashtag in posts, but I would suggest using it in stories. And you can use it in stories to drive traffic to your posts, put something amazing in your stories that make that kind of whets people's appetites and maybe they'll click through to your profile and now see your, uh, your posts. Yes, that is a very good use of that hashtag of art. If you did use the hashtag art on your post, Chances are, as soon as you hit enter and your post was posted to Instagram, if you then clicked the art hashtag, you could go and look and you wouldn't be able to even see your post because there will be so many new ones in the recent feed that your post will now be pushed down. Okay, so how do I choose a good hashtag? A good practice is to get a variety of somewhat popular hashtags to, the, to niche hashtags to raise your chances of being seen within the hashtag traffic, having enough people looking at the hashtag to matter, and having the hashtags really fit your content so you can bring the right people in and not just all sorts of random traffic that aren't gonna be your customers anyway. So as an example, Instagram gives you 30 hashtags to use for each post. Don't use all 30, use 25. 25 per post, and you're gonna give yourself five wildcards so that if you have some niche ones or something interesting to put in there that you might, oh, I'll just put this in a hashtag just for this post, you have room to do so. And other than that, you're gonna have presets of hashtags up to 25 that you will post in every post. You'll have 15 that you always use. You'll have sets of five that will go with certain subject matter. And you're gonna have a range of these hashtags. Some of these hashtags will have 2 million posts out on Instagram or 15 million posts on Instagram. And some of them will have under 20,000 posts or even under 2,000 posts on Instagram. So you have some very, very popular ones, but nothing like the 100 million crowd. And you'll have some very niche ones that have some traffic, but not a lot. And we're going to talk at the end about your own individual that has no traffic hashtag and why you might choose to use that as well. Okay, so as an example, we'll say that you are a sculpture artist, a bronze sculpture artist who lives in Phoenix and is a member of the Sonoran Arts League. So we use the Instagram search function to go and find all the hashtags that you can think of and measure their popularity. And give yourself 15 hashtags that you're gonna use for every post for now uh, that will apply to everything, but it will bring in a variety of 
people searching it. Now, again, you can go to my blog if you want to go see which post, which examples. I do have a full set of examples for a sculpture in Phoenix that's a member of the Sonoran Arts League. And they range from the very generic hashtag sculpture, which has 15 million posts on Instagram, to very, very specific ones like sculpture in progress, which has less than 2,000 hashtags used on Instagram. So you got a, a great range of different hashtags there. And then I have different categories for each variation. So for example, I have 10 set up for the bronze and metalworking hashtags. And those are probably be the normal ones. So you do the first set of 15. You'd also include the 10 for the bronzing, uh, bronze and metalworking, and that's your 25. I did include five for the Sonoran Arts League. So maybe any events you have at the Sonoran Arts League, you would also add that five in. Or say our sculptor also sometimes worked with clay. So I give five clay hashtags. So if the sculpture that they're posting that point on Instagram is clay and not metalworking, they can do their 15 basic posts, they can do their five clay posts, and they can do their five Sonoran Art League posts. And they have their 25 posts set up, and then they can put in individual ones. For example, if it's a sculpture of a tree, now they can put down hashtag tree sculpture or something else topical for that specific post. There are a lot of people who use hashtags that are Instagram connected. For example, maybe you get feel like putting sculptures of Instagram or Insta sculpture or something like that with the word Instagram somehow merged into the hashtag. I advise to stay away from these hashtags. And the reason I say that is that some of them are very used, but the parent company of Instagram, Facebook, does not like these type of hashtags. They consider them a trademark infringement. So if you decide at some point you want to promote your post, if that hashtag is in that post, they will block that promotion. So rather than go through the time and trouble of either rejections or resubmissions or having to weed through your hashtags before you post, thinking that maybe you want to promote this one in the future, I would just stay away from them altogether. I don't think you miss much by not including those type of hashtags. As an efficiency tip, when you create your groups of hashtags, so for example, the 15 always used sculpture hashtags, you may just cut and paste them because typing them all in every single time is ridiculous. You might put them in a notepad on, a note on your phone and then copy and paste them each time, but there's a more efficient way to do this as well, and that is to use your own phone's accessories in the keyboard. If you go into the keyboard settings, which is usually in the accessibility settings, and on my blog I do have a link for tutorials for the iPhone, iPad, Android phone, and Android tablets, text replacement tutorials. You can put a little code word in, and then that code word, whenever you type it, will expand out to that set of ha uh, hashtags. So for example, the top 15 ones, maybe I would use SCLP, and if I typed in SCLP, as soon as I hit the space bar, boom, all of the hashtags are there for me. And then I could put in, um, if it was the clay at that time, I could put C-L-A-Y-Y, and as soon as I type that in, Boom, all of the clay hashtags are there and ready for me to go. And notice that I said C-L-A-Y-Y. -Y. I would not use just the word clay. I would use some sort of misspelling that I would not normally put in anything else on um, my phone. And the reason why is because if, you're, if you just use clay, C-L-A-Y, and you type a text to somebody, hey, do you have any clay? Then that clay, as soon as you hit enter, suddenly expands into a bunch of hashtags. You don't want those hashtags invading every message and email and social media posts, etc. when you don't want them there. So purposely make a code that you 
slightly misspell something or shorten something so that when you type that code in, it means nothing but your hashtags. And again, I usually put in a double extra letter. So A-R-T-T would be my basic hashtags for my normal artwork. And then I have individual hashtags, for example, V-E-T-T. And that is for anything I want to tag with my veteran status. I'm a U.S. Army veteran and I put veteran tags in a lot of my posts. So that will add that little collection of hashtags to every post that I use that code. Auditing hashtags. You don't want to use the same hashtags forever, right? So you're not going to set them and forget them. You will for a while. And I would say quarterly is probably where you want to go back and audit your hashtags. When you audit your hashtags, you can identify which ones are working and which ones are not working. And this is still kind of an art, not a science, because you're not going to see something that says no one's using the art lovers hashtags. No, what you're going to do is instead of trying to see who's searching, you're going to see who's posting to this. When you post your latest post up, say the quarter's finished, you put up today's post, click on the hashtags. See how far down the list you are from when you posted it. So you immediately post it and immediately click those hashtags. You should be up toward the top, but you should not see only your content in the recent feed for that hashtag. If you see that you're the only one using that hashtag, unless this is your own vanity hashtag, which we'll talk about in a minute, then you probably should switch that hashtag up. If no one else is using art lovers, then maybe nobody's searching for it either. On the other hand, if everyone's using the hashtag art lovers, and as soon as I post and I click and I can't even find my post because so many new posts have come in since those few seconds that it took me to post and hit the art lovers hashtag, then I also probably need to change that hashtag because it means also that no one's seeing my posts because the content is going too fast and I'm not going to be um, amongst the ones that get fed to all the users on Instagram. Now the vanity hashtags. I call these vanity because these are branded hashtags and this is where you create your own hashtag and hopefully no one else is using it or if anybody is, not many are. This is going to be the hashtags that have under 2,000 uses, hopefully less than that. These hashtags are not terribly good for searches, but what they do instead is they brand your community. So say you create a hashtag and I'm going to create one now. I'm going to, I'm going to create hashtag Kirby's art. And I want to point out that my last week's guest, Joy DeGood, she does have Joy's art, a branded hashtag. And what this does is it allows the community to see that that, that hashtag is yours and is going to get your attention. You need to use it a lot in order for this to work. And you should probably put it up toward the top of your hashtag list so that everyone sees that one first. So that that, they see that branded hashtag, they know it goes to your post. Every single time they click on one of your posts, that branded hashtag is the top hashtag. Then they know that in order to get your attention, they could use that hashtag on one of their posts. If you decide to use this type of vanity hashtag, consider it communication. If somebody else uses it, you need to go there and interact with that post. Because if you don't, then the branded hashtag loses all value. If users see that you're not responding to them when they're trying to comment and communicate with you, then it no longer holds the value that it does. It, does. it no longer brands or community. But if they see that you come back and talk to them, if somebody brands their post with your hashtag, it means they want your attention. Go back there, communicate with them, interact. They'll interact with you on your posts. It's going to drive up interaction for everyone. But again, you may have to take some time and patience with it for it to start kind of catching on. Also, if someone else is using the hashtag that you want to use as your branded hashtag, 
If there's not a lot of traffic, just go for it. Take over that hashtag, own it. Start flooding it with your content. As long as there's not a lot of content there already, you will take it over and people will start to associate that hashtag with you. If there are a lot of people using that hashtag though, this won't work. You need to make sure that it ends up being branded as your own hashtag for your community for this type of vanity hashtag to work. If you have any questions about hashtags, feel free to contact me on my own Instagram, which is Kirby Plessis Art, or you can find Kirk Podcast on Twitter. However, I, that's not actively monitored. You can also find me on Twitter at Kirbster, K-I-R-B-S-T-R, and I will answer any Instagram questions you have. Now we are going to get into our interview with Cynthia Errol. She is an amazing painter. She paints with, I believe, oils, maybe acrylics. She makes beautiful, huge botanical paintings and also a lot of animal paintings, mostly based on the animals that she herself uh, interacts with every day. So they have a lot of personality. Thank you very much, Cynthia, for allowing me to interview you and I'll let you listen to the interview. Okay, so I'm sitting here at the Sonoran Art Gallery, the Gallery at El Pendredal, with Cynthia Earle, one of the artists and managers of the gallery. Say hello. Hello. All right, so <laughs> thank you for sitting down with me for this interview. I would like to ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get, become a professional artist, and what tipped your decision to go for it? Well, I've um, been in visual merchandising for many years and been with the retail trade. I moved here to the valley 20-some years ago and uh, really fell in love with the desert. And I've had a great experience working uh, with uh, the local people in the area and also with my clientele from out of state. And I guess what's prompted me to go forward with my art is um, I was fortunate enough to work with people on commission pieces and that has given me the confidence to go forward and try my art uh, on a professional level and see if I can make a living at it. What was what was the thing that kind of pushed you over the edge? Was it commissions or it was? Um, just because uh, I've been in the um, merchandising market for a while and I felt I needed to grow another area and to pick up my brush again, uh, which I always uh, put aside for a while to take the place of work and I wanted it to be my work. How long have you been in the Sonoran Arts League? Three years. I really like it a lot. Uh, people are very friendly here. Um, it's nice to be around the like-minded people and uh, very encouraging. Do you have any other um, arts organizations you're part of besides this league? Just the Desert Foothills uh, Land Trust event I'm in, and um, at this point they'll be having a show in middle of March. Um, so that'll be the opportunity for people to visit the library and take a look at the art from their surrounding area. All right, so um, do you remember the very first piece you ever sold? Yes, it was one of my oil and canvas um, titled Trace Amigos. I was having a clientele party at my home and somebody saw it on display and that's what kind of started the whole thing. Okay, what was it? Where were the Trace Amigos? Trace Amigos is a, um, a picture of three donkeys smiling at you and I've had a lot of great compliments on it and they, they make people laugh. People seem to really be drawn to them, makes them happy. Did you make any prints of that piece specifically? Yes, I do. I do make jaclays of them, various sizes. They can come framed or um, at the plain edge and I always sign my art on the back and unless it's a special order then you know I can definitely accommodate that as well. 
And what's your biggest source of sales of the year? I mean, I know that you're in the um, Gallery del Pedregal, and you said that you had that kind of party at your house. Do you do any advertisements? Do you sell anything off of social media, an email list, or your website? What's your biggest source of sales? I place a lot of my items on Instagram, and um, also I have my pieces in uh, a few stores in the valley. Two of the stores are in North Scottsdale, and the other one is in uh, the Cottonwood area and Yarnell, so it'd be four, four stores. Do you have any galleries or shows that you want to kind of tell people that you're in coming up this year? Uh, so far, I'll be at the El Pedrigo Gallery and, again, the Desert Foothills Land Trust event. And I guess, you know, I could direct them to these stores. Okay. Um, it would probably be the best opportunity to see my work. Okay. Are you going to be doing the Hidden in the Hills this coming year? Yes, I will. Okay. Yeah, I look forward to it. Great. All right. And for those who aren't familiar with Hidden in the Hills, it is kind of the premier event for the Sonoran Arts League, which is a studio tour in late November. How about mentors and influencers? Do you have any mentors that you look up to? Yes, that would be my husband. He's always been uh, very encouraging, positive, and definitely a reinforcement. I definitely go to him with many, many questions, and he's, uh, he's great. How about any future goals? I would like to do to be in more stores. That's kind of what I'm working on right now. And, and you know, obviously the shows in the area would be nice. Uh, I'll definitely be working at that. Uh, this uh, winter is always a good time to visit a lot of galleries and art exhibits in the area, so I'll definitely be um, growing in that area. Okay, do you have any like five-year plans at all like that? Uh, yeah, stay, stay the pace, I guess. Keep okay. growing, yeah. All right, keep growing inventory, right? Absolutely. How do you define success as an artist? So far, the events I've been in, I, I find it very encouraging when people look for you um, from one show to the next. I think that is, has a lot to do with it and that people look you up, I think um, that's very encouraging. So basically growing a fan base. Uh-huh, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Okay, great. How do you choose what you're going to paint? What are your subjects? You know, a lot of times it's been on a trip we've been on. I'm always on the outlook for that, always. and. Mm -hmm. um, just to, to be inspired is probably the, the biggest point for me to go after. If I'm inspired by it, I'll definitely um, want to do that and get home and, and get that canvas ready and start painting it before I lose that excitement. But yeah, that's okay. that's what I go for. And most of your paintings, are, um, you've got a lot of donkeys, you've got some cactus, um, some... Yeah, a lot of botanicals. Yeah, 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 botanicals yeah landscaping. Um, really, the only thing I really don't go after is portraits. Other than that. Okay. Which is animals, yes. People, not so much. How many hours a week do you think you spend painting? Not enough, but on the never average, enough. never <laughs> enough. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe four hours a day. Okay. I, give them, I try to do the, you know, the Monday through Friday as best I can, uh, just to kind of keep a regular schedule. But, yeah, it's never enough. Yeah, I was going to ask if you keep kind of a schedule. So I think that what a lot of people think of as an artist is that they paint eight hours a day, and I think that's impossible. So yeah. you don't realize that there's actually a lot more than just the painting as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, networking mm -hmm. is really almost half for me in, in marketing. Right. Really marketing, networking, that is, is a big stronghold. That is definitely needed. Um, and you actually inv you invest time in your marketing, oh, which a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize either that they have to mm -hmm. invest time in their marketing. Yeah, true. I, I'd say about four hours a day would be painting and the other half is networking. So right. I mean, right. it's still full a full-time position and um, yeah, 
Yeah. Right. And I find also some time that ends up being spent prepping canvases, finishing, wiring them, doing even like some other little busy work that's kind of the annoying part, not the painting. True. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was going to ask you about office hours. So you pretty much try to paint every weekday. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. What time yeah. do you usually get in there? Probably around... 11, mm-hmm. 11 to 3, kind of in that area. Okay. Um, yeah, usually I take care of uh, morning business in my office, mm-hmm. kind of see where I have my emails, things like that, and then I, I go into my office, or my studio is at that point. Can you describe what your, your setup is? So you get, in the morning you said you go and work on your, in your office. How do you kind of gear up to start painting? Oh, I always coffee first. Okay. Definitely a must. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I... Pretty much just, I have it pretty much ready to go from the day before, and sometimes I have to put the heaters on mm-hmm. in my location, things like that. But yeah, coffee first. I'm okay. Okay. Do you <laughs> listen to anything while you're painting? Oh, uh, yeah, classical. Okay. Yeah, always classical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about your art supplies? Where do you get them? Do you have any special tips to tell us about that? Online for some of the basic things, but I'm, uh, I like to. Sp- Purchase my brushes, brushes in hand. I like to, I don't know what it is about that, but I need to see them up close. And um, Arizona Art Supply is great um, in Scottsdale. Okay. Uh, that's my go-to supply store. All right. Do you have an email list or a newsletter? And how important would you find that? I have my basic email, um, but I would definitely like to work on a more professional email list. Okay. So who do you, what do you have managing your email list? Is it something like MailChimp or Constant Contact? Neither. Neither? Okay. Are you aware of these things? So Constant Contact, MailChimp, Emma, let's see, there's a bunch of these different services that some of them offer a free level where you can actually have it collect your emails and you can help design your emails to people so that you have this beautiful poster-like newsletter. Something to look into. I would be interested in that. Yeah, okay. by all means. I think it'd be very important. Okay, and we'll definitely have the links for that in the show notes to this episode. Great. And I'll get them directly to you. Fabulous. Okay, so um, what social media uh, websites do you use for your business? Um, Facebook, Instagram is probably my favorite. And um, again, I have a lot of my um, advertisements and pieces in stores in the area. And I freak with them. I check in with them a lot, definitely on a personal basis. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, have you tried using Pinterest for marketing? Not yet. Not yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another one I'm going like, to kind of say to look some, at. Yep, some more homework. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, the reason I say to look at that is because I, I was auto-posting stuff to Pinterest. And then I turned around and looked at it, and it was actually busier than my Instagram. And so I said, okay, maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to Pinterest. Oh, okay. So something right. to look into. Definitely. Yeah. Turn yeah. it into a business account so you can get those analytics and just see what's happening. And even if you auto-post it, and you can auto-post it by using ifttttift.com. So it goes everything you put on Instagram automatically goes onto Pinterest. All right. Yeah, great. Awesome. Excellent. How do you measure your success on social media? I guess you have... The, uh, the art that's on there, and uh, they email me and some personal contact. I've sold some pieces off Instagram, so um, I guess. Yeah, so by selling small. it, yeah, that's so, the best way yeah, yeah. to measure success. And kind of engagement as well, so if people are liking and uh, commenting on it probably as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do get some uh, more positive, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's encouraging. Okay. Do you have any social media marketing tips or marketing tips in general for uh, other artists? Um, I would 
concentrate on um, salesmanship because mm -hmm. uh, it's one thing to uh, uh, create a piece of art and things like that, but I think that you um, you have to know the other skills as well to uh, complete the sale and uh, to maybe take them more take you more seriously. I think that is a um, difficult thing for a lot of artists. I even myself, in person sales is my hardest thing. I think the hardest part. Oh, well, for me. Like the internet, uh, the internet stuff's easy for me, whatever. But the in-person sales is something I need to work on personally. <laughs> do you listen to any podcasts? And if you do, which ones? Not really. I don't. No, I don't. Okay. Right. Yeah. I always, I'm gonna always ask this question of everybody because I personally am a podcast addict. So I'll share some podcasts with you later. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. How do you? find balance. I mean, I don't know if you are like me, where you obsess about it, and when you're away from your art, you're thinking about what you're going to do. How do you balance your life uh, besides work and art? Well, I think that's... They go together. Gosh, I think as a visual person, mm -hmm. I'm always looking for ideas. Wherever mm -hmm. we go, wherever we travel, there's always something. And so I, even, I see, even on vacation, you're kind of working. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I never really... Sh I don't think I, really, I can shut it off. I think it's such a part of me now, and especially being more forward in my life, mm -hmm. at this point I uh, really pay more attention. Right. So, yeah. So how can people who are listening to this podcast find you or your work online and keep up with you? I would say Instagram is the best. So uh, you're Cindy Brush in Hand on Instagram, right? Yes, I am. Cindy Brush in Hand. And uh, otherwise... Um, uh, you know, Facebook, and uh, also, obviously, I'll be here at the gallery. You have a website as well? Yes, I do. Uh, CynthiaDesignsAZ.com. Who do you look for online to give you inspiration? So it has to be an online uh, source of either inspiration or education or whatever. Do you find inspiration uh, from a specific Instagram person or on Facebook, YouTube accounts, um, anything like that? Well, I mean, is it, I guess I look for local okay. uh, in the area that people that I know that are mm -hmm. on Instagram. Uh, other artists, um, I like to see their work and they inspire me and, and see I get to see them growing, so I want to grow as well. Okay, so yeah, so that's about kind of punch uh -huh, up. So I like that a lot and mm -hmm. then also I also check in on the um, some of the local um retailers that are in the area and I look for theirs as well because I work with some very talented people mm -hmm. and I like to see what they're doing and they're always moving forward. So, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Cynthia, for being my second ever interview on the Curious Kirby podcast. I appreciate it so much. And to listeners, I do apologize for the audio quality. I thought we were in a quiet corner of the gallery at El Pedregal, and it turns out that the echo in the building doesn't allow for any quiet corners. So next episode will also be in the gallery, but after that I will try and get better locations so we can have a little bit better audio for these interviews. And hopefully I'll get a little smoother at my interviewing skills as well. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested, go to CuriousKirby.com. Check out the podcast. Check out the blog. I have a full blog with the full hashtag explanation in there. And thank you again. And hopefully I will see you in episode three. Thank you.